Welcome to the Honor the Gift Podcast. I am your host, Art McCracken. I specialize in transformational leadership and high-performance coaching. I've worked with hundreds of companies and thousands of individuals along the way, helping them achieve greater outcomes in all aspects of their life. I'm a speaker and writer, but at the end of the day, none of that holds a candle to being a husband, father, and friend. I believe the greatest gift in our mortal existence is the gift of choice. How we honor that gift will shape the eternities. I also believe that career is a way of being and not just a way of life. And when you figure that out, by learning to let go of the charades and leaning into growth, life just seems to unlock itself. I know this because I've lived it. Quite simply, my calling is people experience living true. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the commitment to lean into growth. I honor your journey. Now, let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome to another weekly episode. This week's episode, we're talking about control as a contra concept to being out of control. I say contra concept because sometimes what one would normally consider the cure in reality might actually become the curse. Carl Jung said that people will do anything no matter how absurd, in order to avoid facing their own soul. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. Knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darkness of other people. We've always heard that the teacher will appear when the student is ready. So, are we ready? Let's take a brief pause here to really ask that question of ourselves. Am I ready to do the work? Am I willing? Am I prepared to do what it takes to initiate the change on this journey to become my best self? Really think through that. Am I ready to do the work? One mechanism of control is the statement of fixation and no hope. A statement of, I am the way I am, there's no hope for me, I'm not going to change, this is who I am, this is what you're going to get. So that is one mechanism of control that we're choosing. So do we carry around a fixed mindset as a badge of significance, a badge of fixation, as opposed to a mindset in which growth is not only expected of us, but growth is also embraced. And in that, again, there's such a a great variance between the mechanism of control and the relief in the quest to control an outcome, but really a relief of responsibility by saying, I am who I am, moving into a place of variability and a potential for being somewhat out of control, but also finding elements of control in adopting a mindset in which growth is not only expected of myself, but it's also embraced. The tough steps forward require humility, while the restful resistance to the step only appeases our ego. To act or react, to act out or to stay internal, to lift and love or rebuke and tear down, to control or to let go, to cling to the past or to learn and lean into the future, to ignore or to engage. Choices. 
ultimately decisions to express our true identity in any given moment. When do we look in the mirror? What is our reaction and how do we then carry ourselves in times of great dissatisfaction or new belief? Do we avoid the mirror in times of stress and reactivity? Is it those moments where control is out and a need to control is in? Are we convicted in false ego, believing, or I should say believingly convinced and justified in our premeditated outburst? Do we act or react? Do we seek to control or to find new ways to let go? Do we choose to hurt rather than to love? I've learned to recognize the triggers in myself and the moments, but even in those moments, what do I allow to take over? Back to the question, am I willing? Am I willing to pause and wait it out, to let the dust settle and allow a much cooler head to prevail? It's no wonder that the words to the serenity prayer offer so much insight, eloquence, and wisdom to one suffering from the most tumultuous of internal demons found in self-service and preservation. It's an epistle, if you will, to help shape a fleeting effort to control life in a manner inconsistent with an opposite reality. The words to the serenity prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. When we seek to control, we give our power to a predictable habit of futility. We seek for gain. We seek to eliminate the pain of the present by casting it onto another. We seek to manipulate the flow of progress to accommodate the lack thereof. Thus, the irony of control becomes the bastion of being out of control. And you guessed it. When we feel out of control, we fight from that fortress so well-founded in our weakened state to again exercise methods of control, to gain sanity under the hospice that life is in our control, which it is not, nor will it ever be. In reaction, be right, and get even mode, we deflect any opening for future growth, and we cling to a morbid control of the present. The assumption of innocence and desire to extend new trust is thrown out, and we choose to serve ourselves rather than explore the possibilities of the road less traveled, as we discussed last week in the last episode. The reason I choose certain words as I write and as I speak is because I think that it helps us see and feel and sense a very unique emotion or a unique state of being. So when I say when we deflect any opening for future growth and we cling to a morbid control of the present, that clinging to that morbid control, that clinging to control is really a death. It's something that not only has an impact in the relationships in our life, in the progress that we're trying to make, in the hope for a better tomorrow, when we exercise excessive control, and dominion. It becomes or manifests itself in a morbid way in our life by creating fractures, by creating dead ends, by creating the diminishing of future possibilities. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. 
If growth, personal growth and development is your thing, and you're here learning and leaning into growth, glad you're here, glad you're part of the community. If you want more of this, make sure and hit subscribe in this podcast platform or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Search for Honor the Gift podcast and make sure and subscribe so that it shows up each week with new updates, new conversations, new learning, new ideas and concepts, again, to help us all in this journey we call growth and how we make it through life and the way that we show up for others. Also, if you are looking for more information, deeper dives into some of these conversations, and just an update to stay in the loop, you can always go to choiceisthegift.com and click on subscribe where you'll be uh, in the loop on things that are upcoming and more updates on this podcast. Again, thank you for being here. Now let's get back to the episode. So as we seek to manipulate the flow of progress to accommodate the lack of progress, thus the irony of control becomes the bastion of being out of control. And again, you guessed it, we feel out of control. We fight from that fortress so well-founded in our weakened state to again exercise methods of control. We seek sanity under the hospice that life is in our control, which is not, nor will it ever be. So in reaction, be right, and get even modes that we go into, we deflect any opening for future growth, and we cling to this morbid control of the present. The assumption of innocence and desire to extend new trust is thrown out the window. Instead, we choose to serve ourselves rather than explore the possibilities of the road less traveled. I recall this passage from the book, The Leader in You by Dale Carnegie. And rather than me trying to paraphrase it, let me read directly from that passage. Complaints and criticism from the book, The Leader in You by Dale Carnegie. goes like this. Shortly after the close of World War I, I learned an invaluable lesson one night in London. I was attending a banquet given in honor of Sir Ross Smith. During the dinner, the man sitting next to me told a humorous story which hinged on the quotation, There is a divinity that shapes our ends, rough hew them how we will. The raconteur mentioned that the quotation was from the Bible. He was wrong. I knew it. I knew it positively. There couldn't be the slightest doubt about it. And so to get a feeling of importance and to to display my superiority, I appointed myself as an unsolicited and unwelcome committee of one to correct him. He stuck to his guns. What? He thundered at me, from Shakespeare, impossible, absurd. That quotation was from the Bible, and he knew it with not one scintilla of doubt. The storyteller was sitting on my right, and Frank Gammond, an old friend of mine, was seated at my left. Frank had devoted years to the study of Shakespeare, so the storyteller and I agreed to submit the question to him. Frank listened, he kicked me under the table, and then he said, Dale, you are wrong. The gentleman is right, it is from the Bible, I couldn't wait to get Frank alone. On our way home that night, I said to him, Frank, you knew that quotation was from Shakespeare. Yes, of course, he replied. Hamlet, Act 5, Scene 2. But Dale, we were guests at a festive occasion. Why prove to a man he is wrong? Is that going to make him like you? Why not let him save his face? He didn't ask for your opinion. He didn't want it. Why argue with him? I love that story. I've shared that story a number of times before. I share it because in a need to be right, he almost completely fractured the relationships immediate to him. In a need to control and a desire to control 
one's persona, how somebody is perceived by others, what information is correct and not correct, it became a process of diminishing his best way of being. The only thing in our control are the choices that we make. That's it. And thus the dichotomy of being out of control is the reality that we are in complete control based on the gift of choice. Here's a few tasty morsels to challenge your paradigm. From Abraham Lincoln, I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. From Peter Bernstein, the riskiest moment is when you think you're right. Now you'll want to sit down for this one, especially if you are a parent. From Bruce Springsteen's Broadway show, there's a specific line that speaks to the nuance of parenthood and how we try to exercise control or manifest outcomes in our children's lives based on some of the baggage that we bring to the table. Bruce Springsteen wrote this. We are ghosts, or we are ancestors in our children's lives. We either lay our mistakes, our burdens upon them, and we haunt them, or we assist them in laying those old burdens down, and we free them from the chains of our own flawed behavior. Can you see where this need to control really messes up so much in our lives if we allow it to? Young Pueblo phrased this question. He said, ask yourself often, am I observing the situation accurately or am I projecting how I feel onto what is happening? I think he describes reactivity very well in that. Again, ask yourself often, am I observing the situation accurately or am I projecting how I feel onto what is happening? All too often, we run from the perceived danger of change or the uncomfortable moment in which we know precisely can't be avoided and we seem to find a way to avoid the hard. The funny thing with change and growth is that opportunity we choose to avoid today will always find us again. I believe there are specific lessons prepared for us to learn in this life. I believe they are unique and designed to help us grow. I believe they are gifts for us to not hold inside and consume, but rather to be developed as we serve others with the lessons learned. If you want to control the outcomes in your life, recognize first that you aren't in control of others. You are only in control of yourself. The outcome isn't one of certainty, but rather predictability and a higher likelihood of success when you exercise some constraint and discipline around the choices you make and the openings you create for yourself and others in creating a better future. One of the most influential and thought-provoking questions I've ever been asked in my life is this. How do you want others to experience you? Are you intentional in your objectives? Are you, are you, are you more importantly clear in what others will take from their exchange with you? Again, that question is, how do you want others to experience you? Have you thought about that? Have you written that down? Have you been intentional and clear with yourself about how you want that other person to experience you in any encounter you have with them? What would you have them take from that experience? In Jay Shetty's recent book, Think Like a Monk, he made a statement that took me back that really made me think about how we show up and this level of importance that we place on ourselves, and really it 
kind of falls back into that place of ego and that be right and how we carry ourselves throughout the day. So Jay said this. He said, you can only keep up the myth of your own importance for so long. If you don't break your ego, life will break it for you. Let me say that one more time. You can only keep up the myth of your own importance for so long. If you don't break your ego, life will break it for you. Hide and seek is a game not intended for self-sabotage. Again, from the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Are you willing to break the glass ceiling you've created for yourself? Let's do the work of being better. Remember that growth is always a choice. Until next week, my friends, make it a great one. And remember to always honor the gift. Thank you.